Hello, and welcome to our new podcast, Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes. I'm Cassie Robel, the Director of Education and Community Engagement. And I'm Kathleen Trott, the Shop Manager for the Marlowe Allen and Scott Stallard Costume Artisan Workshop. Thank you all for joining us today. In this podcast series, we are going to introduce you all to the different departments and people that are necessary to produce the operas that you enjoy. In this episode, you'll meet Cody Grasher and Karen Bondi, two of the 2021 season Costume Shop Apprentices. Welcome. Hi, glad to be here, Cassie. I'd love to start out this episode by hearing a little bit about you guys. So Cody, how'd you get here? How did I get here? Ooh, it's been a journey. So I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, I got a degree in theater at the University of Missouri. And I uh, started working at the Summerstock Theater in Logan, Utah, the Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater. And I met our fabulous Cutter Draper, Cece Sickler there. And uh, because of that connection, I found out about this great apprenticeship and it seemed like the perfect opportunity for me to continue to develop my skills and further myself in this career. So here I am. That's excellent. We're so lucky to have you. Karen, what about you? How'd you, how'd you get here? I am from Scottsdale, Arizona originally, and I went to school at the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles. And my goal leaving college was always to get into costume design. Um, I worked at SeaWorld in their costume department for a year and I ended up coming back to Phoenix and being an apprentice at the Phoenix Theatre Company across the street last year. And I met some people there that introduced me to the opera program and I just think the opera is a great opportunity to learn more about intricate costume design and just increase my skills in this area. That's amazing. I imagine designing and building costumes for the opera are much different than designing costumes at SeaWorld. Yes, totally. Awesome. Did you ever design any costumes for animals? No, I mainly worked with the big Sesame Street characters. So it was a lot of fur and a lot of like working with their moving heads and I love All that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so much fun. So I know a lot of you might be wondering, what what is an apprentice? What what exactly what are what do they do? So our apprentices are here to bridge the gap between their education and um, their full professional career. Often when you get a theater degree you learn a little bit of all kinds of things, but you don't have a ton of repeated concrete experience or there are gaps in your knowledge because theater is one of those industries where unless a show calls for a skill, sometimes you don't ever get taught it or get the opportunity to practice it. So our apprenticeship is geared specifically toward giving those opportunities to young artisans so that way they can actually continue and have a career in the field that they studied in, in some way. Um, one of the co-founder creators of this, that made this program possible, that was his real wish out of this was that we create an opportunity for technical professionals to actually succeed with their degree and be hireable and maintain um, 
their career in this field and and it would be nice to use your degree for your actual career uh, and so that's what they're here for also we benefit as a company from it in that it's extra hands to allow us to expand the size of productions we do and often apprentices come with skill sets that are really great that we might not have had like Karen's work with puppetry it's not a skill set that everyone has but we know that she has it so if we have to do something with that kind of thing we know that we can go to Karen and she'll have some base knowledge there to start on. That's great so Cody and Karen you guys just got to Arizona what a week or so ago now? Uh, yeah I just moved into an apartment in Tempe about a week and a half ago so so you had a lot of fun moving in in 115 degrees oh it was it was wonderful I, I loved it moving heavy boxes in the heat sounds fantastic and Karen while you live here you just started here about a week ago correct yes yeah this is only my second day at the opera and so far so good that's <laughs> awesome so we figured we would start out this this podcast with a segment that may continue on um, since we don't know each other very well and they just got here like they said you know a week or so ago on their second day we figured we'd play two truths and a lie um, so we had everyone write down two truths and a lie um, and so we're gonna start with Cody we'll have him read his two truths and a lie and um, we'll see if we can't figure out which one's the lie all right so my first one is, I have been on stage in a Broadway performance. I have performed in drag at the Hamburger Mary's in Kansas City, Missouri, under the name Anita Knapp. And my last statement, my most embarrassing childhood memory was getting stuck in the mud outside in the middle of the school day in third grade. These are fantastic. Kathleen, <laughs> what, what do you think? I think the lie is the mud because the other two being true are really fun and quirky. Even if the drag one is false, can we pretend that it's true? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good name. Karen, what about you? What do you think? I think the mud one is real and I'm hoping the drag one is real. <laughs> oh man, you should see the way Cody is giving us Inquisitive eyes. I don't even know which one to pick. I'm gonna vote. I think I'm gonna vote with Kathleen and say the mud one is fake. The mud one is real. <laughs> yeah, so my lie is actually I have never performed in drag, although it is kind oh, of a man. it is kind of a, a secret desire in my heart. So you said that you've performed on Broadway or performed in a Broadway so show. So I was I was tricky with my wording on this one. I said I have been on stage in a Broadway performance. Got it. And uh, in I believe it was 2017. Yes, in 2017 I was able to uh, go see the show uh, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, based off of the novel War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. And uh, I was very blessed that my friend at the time, uh, their family had purchased two additional tickets for the onstage seating for that performance. Wow. And so I was able, like, Josh Groban was right there. Oh my gosh. And it was beautiful. I love it. I that love was it. tricky wording. And in third grade, you got trapped outside? Yeah, so 
I, a, a friend, a classmate had lost her bracelet on the playground during recess. And so we went, a group of us went out with teacher supervision, went out to find it. And I noticed another friend's soccer ball had gotten lost in the middle of this muddy dodgeball field. And I, being the gentle soul that I am, <laughs> thought I was being helpful and I was going to go get their soccer ball. Well, I took about six steps out onto the muddy dodgeball field and that's all she wrote. Oh I was God. stuck. A janitor had to come pull me out of the mud. And, oh, this was the day of our class Valentine's Day party. So I missed most of the, like, quote unquote festivities because I was stuck in the mud. Yes, truly <laughs> awaiting my demise at the hands of a crocodile. <laughs> How long did it take them to notice you were gone? Well, they noticed pretty quickly and had to go inside <laughs> and get the janitor. Because, again, there was a group of us that went out there. So they saw me walk onto the field and get stuck. And it was just Cody's very bad, unfortunate day. <laughs> Luckily, in Arizona, it's rained, you know, maybe once in the year 2020 so yeah yeah okay. very dry hopefully here. Safe well, here hopefully i won't have to encounter any pits of mud <laughs> Gosh, i love it all right karen your two okay. truths and a lie mine aren't as theater related but here we go okay the first one is i very very strongly dislike cheese second is i can speak fluent french and the third is i've canoed 10 miles down a river in eight hours I really hope you don't hate cheese. That would just make me really sad. I don't know. She was pretty adamant about how much she hates cheese, so I think that one might be true. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, unless she's being tricky and is adding in all of those descriptors to fool us. But maybe she really, really loves cheese. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she protests too much. I know. Canoeing 10 miles. I'm going to believe that one. I think. I don't know. Is it illegal to be able to speak French fluently but not like cheese? Like, is that? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So maybe those two are the two truths. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that to, one. Like, pass the class. <laughs> right. You have, you have to. to you like have to cheese. eat cheese. Take the cheese test. Okay. Unfortunately, after all of that talk, I actually feel like, yeah, that's the lie that you hate cheese. Okay. That's the lie. I think that the lie is fluent in French. Okay. I think that you hate cheese and that you canoed. Okay. Yeah, the, okay. the canoe one is specific enough. I'm thinking that's true. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Kathleen. I don't think you're fluent in French. All right, drum roll. Kathleen and Cody are right. Sure. <laughs> you hate cheese? I hate cheese. Like, with a passion. <laughs> like, I don't eat any cheese. All kinds of cheese. Mm -hmm. I will yeah. eat goldfish and Cheez-Its, and that's it. What are we going to do when we have opera events? Yeah, what? Yeah. Wine and cheese are staples. Yeah. Oh, no man. cheese for Karen. Just about to eat the fruit. Yeah. Well, now that we've learned about the apprentices a little bit, I'd love to dive into what they do with Arizona Opera and what they do in the Marlo Allen and Scott Stallard Costume Artisan Workshop. So I'm going to turn the mic over to Kathleen a little bit and let's learn a little bit about what they do for us. Okay, great. So um, this season, 
uh, due to the current state of affairs, we've sort of had to slightly reimagine our production schedule. Um, but our apprentices typically, they get to assist on a design or with organization. They um, are on wardrobe crew. They help us build. They spend a lot of their time stitching or crafting. So I think it would be really great to kind of find out what specifically our apprentices might be really interested in doing this season um, and what they really like. Yeah, so uh, like Kathleen mentioned, the season is a little different than seasons we've had in the past. And I was actually here at the tail end of last season. So I, I was here for La Boheme and Riders of the Purple Sage. So I got to experience that a little bit. But I am still really looking forward to this film version of The Copper Queen. It uh, kind of gives us a chance to do uh, more particular builds for costuming than we normally get to do for opera productions. It, it gives us a chance to do more particular builds than we normally get to for uh, stage productions because we need to pay more attention to the finer details since it'll be filmed up close. and. Uh, that's kind of a new experience for me. I've never worked on a filmed production before, so this will definitely be a kind of a nice venture into that field. So when you say that you have to have more attention to detail because it's filmed up close, can you talk a little bit more about what really is the difference between going to the theater and having costumes on stage versus designing and building something for the screen? I know it's something that we probably don't think about a lot, um, so I'm curious what the differences are and how you are having to adapt and Kathleen, maybe how, um, what new skills you guys may be learning as apprentices to adapt for film versus opera or theater. Yeah, the thing that is really great about this opportunity for our apprentices is they, they really get to take the time to do a lot of small work that often we quote unquote cheat for stage. We won't actually hand bead every single garment or hand embroider because it wouldn't read, so it's not worth the time. Um, there's sort of a general phrase in theater that is some variation of, you know, 10 feet away and moving. Does the thing read? Can you see the detail if it's moving and you're 10 feet away from it? <clears throat> if it doesn't read at all, then is it really worth the time? And we get to take the time in a film to do all of that really great small detail work that we all love, but just it's not a cost-effective choice to make for stage. Um, so it will be nice for them, I would think, to be able to take the opportunity to do that. you all are enjoying the episode so far. Cassie and I wanted to take the opportunity to interject and introduce you to our newly reimagined 2021 season. We are so excited about it and we thought we'd share some of it with you all to make sure that you knew what was happening. Yeah, Arizona Opera will be replacing its planned in-theater production for this coming up season with an array of exciting alternative programs that can be more safely enjoyed to a larger audience. Arizona Opera's reimagined season will offer live, outdoor, socially distant performances combined with a large collection of digital offerings intended to expand our impact throughout the state and beyond. Yeah, and our first 
event that we're really excited about is our studio artist spotlight and it will be in October in both Phoenix and Tucson and our website has all of the information about locations and times and it should be a really great opportunity to meet those studio artists for the first time for some of you all and then our big project that we're really excited about is we are taking the world premiere of Copper Queen which was a stage opera and we are transitioning it to a motion picture um, which we haven't really ever done before so it's gonna take a big chunk of our season but we're all looking forward to it the apprentices especially I think um, and that will be available once it's released for all of our patrons to enjoy in their own homes. So will the apprentices be experiencing and doing everything? Do they have specific jobs? Um, are they based on their interests? How does that work? So it is, uh, yes, all of those things. Um, <laughs> so we do try to ask them what they're interested in. We, when they apply, they give us their resume and a cover letter and references, and we have a whole conversation with them about what they've already done and what they're interested in doing. Um, so that way we can make sure to allow them to do the thing that they like, because it's important that they enjoy their time here. But we also insist on having them do things that they don't know how to do and might not like terribly to improve because that's the other part of it from our perspective is that they're increasing their skills and their experience and their education. Um, so they're gonna help with uh, wardrobe and they're gonna make some of their, they're each gonna get to stitch multiple projects. Um, we are going to put in a whole bunch of extra classes this year for them. So. Um, a class that our painter dyer will teach that has to do with hand painting and dyeing techniques. We're probably going to investigate some kind of puppetry class. Um, we're talking about doing a sort of interdepartmental class, so having a class that has to do with sort of lighting and colors and how it manipulates fabric on stage or here's this new piece of technology, let's introduce it to you because as you're working out in the professional field you might come across it. Um, our props supervisor is sort of exploring some options that might be interesting for all of us to take. Our wig and makeup supervisor is recording some classes on how to ventilate a wig and um, they'll all be able to experience all of that so that at the end of their time here they have been introduced to quite a few things even if they aren't masters of them they will be more comfortable so that if they go to another company and the company says here I need you to tailor this they can go oh yeah I did that I it's not completely foreign I know how to do this it is absolutely amazing to me um, for those of you who don't know my background is in music education I know absolutely nothing about the costume world I can barely sew a button onto a t-shirt um, and it's fascinating to hear about everything that goes on you know when we go to an opera we often sit down in the theater and look up on the stage and it just is what it is and it's amazing to hear about everything that goes into it I would never you know you don't think about things like the thing that fascinates me most of when talking with everyone is that 
um, there's so much going on behind the scenes. And, you know, you think that these artists, they just, you know, magically have their fancy dresses and whatever they may be wearing and but there's people running around like crazy backstage trying to get everything together Hopefully and not running around like crazy. <laughs> you know i guess it depends on the show a little bit <laughs> so i'm curious what you both karen and cody are most excited about this year i know it probably with again with coronavirus you know things got a little bit truncated truncated is a good word and and i know as a theater lover it's hard for me to to even stomach that you know when is the next time I'm going to be able to see theater but lucky for me and for us we're kind of living breathing it every day so with the changes what are you most excited about this coming year I am definitely most excited about the feature film I I've always wanted to work in tv or film so I think it's a great opportunity to learn more about how that is put together and I'm sure it's a little slower than like a live performance in the backstage area, but yeah, I'm excited to just make more intricate costumes and really pay attention to detail in that way. Something that Kathleen mentioned uh, earlier in our conversation is that depending on the needs of the shows, you don't always get these certain experiences with costuming and there are just certain aspects that you'll never experience until it's needed on a show. And uh, kind of one good thing to come out of us doing less shows this season is that we're really able to focus on providing these master classes and getting these more specific skills that the more senior members of the costume shop know that their skills needed to be successful in this career, but they realize they don't come up always and often. And so I'm really excited about the additional master classes we're able to do this season and the and like we've mentioned, the specificity of the costumes for the Copper Queen will give us the chance to uh, practice more embroidery and hand beading and these really fine details that we don't often get to do. So I'm just I'm really excited for the the learning we'll get to do this season. I think I'm going to pose a challenge right now. Oh, geez. <laughs> because, you know, we're, we're starting this podcasting and I think it would be cool is if in a couple months, as you guys are going through these things, I want you guys to teach us something. All I don't right. know what that is, but throughout the year, I'm excited for you guys to learn all this new stuff. And like I said, I know nothing. So I would love to, I don't know, maybe we can make something or I, we'll, we'll, I, I think that'd be yeah, a lot Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. Well, we were talking about doing some time-lapse videos and some how-tos and things like that. And I suspect very strongly that as we do master classes we'll be recording them and then chatting about them and stuff the goal being that we can sort of share all of this experience and information with all of our patrons also let's talk a little bit about your guys's educations and um maybe what led you ultimately to choosing theater and then if you can provide us with some kind of story quick that is something that you've made that you're really proud of that you love or was challenging or was weird because in theater we do weird stuff um that would be great so karen do you want to go first sure um i went to the fashion institute of design and merchandising in los angeles aka fitum and 
the main goal of the fashion design program is to learn how to sew, to learn how to do pattern making and how to render drawings and just the basis of how to design a clothing line. Uh, my goal going there was kind of always to get into costume. Um, and what led me to theater was I just love the adrenaline of a live show. I love the camaraderie in a shop when you're kind of at crunch time and you're just trying to get everything done and everyone works together and you get to see your result in real time right in front of you. One of the, the most fun things I got to make last year at the Phoenix Theater was this sparkly doublet for a show called Something Rotten. And unfortunately, the show didn't get to open due to coronavirus. But I love working with sequins and rhinestones and just anything very sparkly and shiny. And so that was really cool for me to make because I'd made a few doublets for that show, but that one was just much more like my style and something that I would probably make myself and wear myself. So then when Cody makes his drag show costume. I will totally can, help yeah, him make great. a drag queen outfit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Cody, why don't you talk a little bit about your education and stuff? Yeah, so um, I had kind of dabbled in theater a little bit in high school, and that's kind of where I caught the bug, so to speak, for it. Uh, and I... Uh, so I attended the University of Missouri in the state of Missouri for college. And I originally went into school as a music performance major because that's what I had focused a lot on in high school uh, as a percussionist. And <clears throat> my first semester of uh, college, I was just... I really wasn't enjoying the time I was spending in the practice room, and that's a lot of what you do as a music performance major and as someone who, as a professional musician, you spend a lot of time in the practice room. And that same semester, I had auditioned for a play and had gotten cast in it, and I found myself dreading the times I was going to my music classes and practicing and just loving the time I was spending with my fellow castmates and the rest of the theater department. And that was kind of uh, a clue to me that I was in the wrong career path and I was just gonna be miserable if I continued down that road. And so I switched to a theater major the next semester and I took my first sewing class in that spring. And then immediately that summer, I started working at the summer repertory theater at my college. Uh, and continued working in the costume shop through the rest of my time at MU. And the next summer I went to uh, the Utah Festival Opera and Musical Theater in Logan, Utah, and then returned the following summer. And then uh, I actually graduated this past December and then came here to Phoenix in January. So that's kind of what my trajectory has been so far in, in uh, costuming. Uh, and then favorite garment I've ever made? Something that has a story behind yeah, it? Yeah, or it could be the hardest thing you've ever made, or a weird thing that you've made, or whatever makes your heart happy to tell us. I think, so it's kind of a, a, a combo of garments that were my favorite things to make. And it was for uh, The Marriage of Figaro last summer at the Utah Festival Opera, uh, designed by 
Mallory Maria Pruca, one of my favorite designers I've worked with so far. Uh, and I built Susanna's entire look from the, the period bodice and her uh, very, very full skirt with a large ruffle on the bottom. It was a lot of fabric. I also constructed uh, Carabino's whole ensemble, which was a uh, period bolero jacket and fall front breeches, as well as a period vest. And they have a few scenes where it's just them on stage and being able to just like see on stage people costumed entirely in in garments that I had constructed was like one of my proudest moments so far in my career. I'd love to add in that even as an observer or someone working with Arizona Opera, um, living in... Uh, walking into the building every day and seeing these costumes come to life. I'm, I'm hoping that you all get to experience this with me when I am listening to and seeing the construction of these costumes and then I go to the show and I see them on stage. They often now tell me a story that I may not have gotten before um, just by hearing about the processes that go into them and why... I know in shows like our production of Fellow Travelers, there was this theme of red or almost evil representing. And it was just amazing had I not gone down this journey and lived in this behind the scenes world, I may not have known that or recognized that. And it just adds this whole other layer to your theater experience. And I hope by listening to this podcast and hearing from all of these people and the, our wonderful apprentices and everyone that is working behind the scenes, you get to experience that as well. It's, it's just another layer and you can peel back a million layers, I think. So I love that, that that's happening. So thank you for sharing that. All right. So is there a skill that you don't have yet or that you may want to improve that you are excited to do this year? I would love to learn more about either making wigs or maintaining wigs and more about makeup just because I really don't have knowledge in either of those and they're very important aspects of the opera and theater experience and I think it would be very beneficial to learn that. Yeah and for me uh, my education in costuming was unfortunately pretty limited because I got a general theater degree and not a specific BFA in like costuming. Uh, so I would definitely love to learn more about like the, the patterning stage of building costumes and how it gets from the designer's renderings to the fabric in my hands as a stitcher. And I guess my last question would be kind of along the lines of where do you see yourself in five years or what, what's your end goal? What's the, what's the dream? This is always a tough question, especially I'm, I'm essentially just out of college. So I'm at that weird transition point in my life currently, but I would love to just end up being like a resident stitcher or working as a first hand or eventually a cutter draper somewhere. I would love to kind of progress up to that stage once I kind of build those skills. I agree with Cody. I would love to work my way up to be a cutter draper. Um, I would also love to design clothes for like big concert tours, like again, back to the sparkles. <laughs> I love the rhinestones and sparkles. Um, I also think working in film would be really rewarding too. So I think to end, we're just gonna, I've got 
kind of weird theater trivia things, and I'm going to ask, and you guys can answer. We'll have you guys guess on our Instagram, Facebook. We'll post something somewhere for you to find, um, and then on our next episode, we'll reveal the answers. Oh, that sounds fun. Okay, great. So, the Palace Theater has seats that are permanently bolted into the auditorium for their theater ghosts. How many seats does it have that are bolted down? I mean, it's gotta be like less than 10, right? Like, can, how, many, how many ghosts can one theater have? That is the question. Maybe it's all of the seats. <laughs> they just a lot don't of have any real audience. They just perform just for ghosts. ghosts every night. I'm gonna take a stab here and guess five. Okay, Cody says five. I'll go with eight. Just Karen to says mix it eight. Up. Just because I'm gonna go with seven. Because it's kind of in, kinda in is right. the middle. <laughs> Maybe. A dollar more. <laughs> All right, great. So, question number two. Under a pseudonym, Dr. Spin, Andrew Lloyd Webber released a top 10 single in 92. Was it called Pac-Man, Tetris, or Pitfall? Um, For all you listeners out there, um, I was not alive yet in 1990. <laughs> I'm going to say Pitfall, just because I don't think I know any songs called Tetris or Pac-Man. <laughs> I don't know any but songs. But I could just not <laughs> know the songs. <laughs> I was going to say Pac-Man. Like the theme songs for Pac-Man or Tetris, or they were just called? No, it was a top 10 single, and it was called either Pac-Man, Tetris, or Pitfall. Pitfall just sounds like a 90s name for a it song. Does. So, yeah, it stick does. with my You're answer. Right. But I feel like Pac-Man was kind of a thing. But so was Tetris. <laughs> Thank you for validating my <laughs> question. It's been good. I appreciate your approval. I'm still going with Pac-Man. Okay. Oh, you know what? Let's just round it all out. Tetris. Okay. <laughs> One of us is right. Thank you for joining us for our first episode of Arizona Opera Behind the Scenes. Join us next month as we record on location at the Arizona Opera Scenic Studio and sit down with technical director Matt Christoffel and head carpenter Ryan Bruner. We'll be releasing a new behind-the-scenes podcast each month, so make sure you check our website, azopera.org, and follow us where? Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure you join our email list, which you can do on our website, so you never miss anything that Arizona Opera is doing. Yeah, you definitely don't want to miss out. This podcast is part of the Arizona Opera Next Gen Initiative, an initiative that encompasses the wide variety of programs that go beyond the opera stage to develop the next generation of opera artists, audiences, and philanthropists. To learn more about Next Gen, please visit azopera.org and click Next Gen Initiative. These programs are made possible through the support of Roma Whitcoff, Jeanette J. Siegel, and APS.